Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're listening to that Chelsea podcast, episode 45, on our way. Welcome back to that Chelsea podcast. I'm joined as always by Jack Davies. How are we doing, sir? Yes, I'm very good, mate. What a top week for Chelsea. Not not often you get to another Champions League final, is it? So, brilliant. And it's just been great to see all the other teams uh, hating us, uh, like usual, hating us even more. Uh, you just love to see it. Yeah, top, top scenes. And returning to the pod, we've got Mr. Tom Overend. Tom, how are we doing, sir? I'm good. I'm delighted to be on after a couple of wins. Not just a couple of scrape wins, a couple of huge wins for our season. I'm delighted. Thank you very much for having me on, mate. Really no appreciate worries, Tom. it. It's always a pleasure having you on. And as always with guests, I get themselves to give themselves a little plug. So, Tom, why don't you tell people where they can follow you on Twitter and, you know, the people you're associated with, i.e. the Chelsea Social. So I'm at Tovers98 on Twitter. Um, as I say, I'm head of branding or I'm an admin at the Chelsea Social as well. Um, I think that's at the Chelsea Social or Chelsea Social. I can't quite remember off the top of my head. But basically, if you just want chill Chelsea opinions, come and find me. And that's exactly what I provide, I guess. So, yeah. Nice one. Nice Delighted one. to be on. Yeah, all Tom's links and the Chelsea social links will be in the description below. So make sure you guys check them out. Oh, Jack, we're in the Champions League final for the first time since 2012. Just wow, what what luck, what a feeling, man. Honestly, I, I know I said yeah. to you in our like group chat, that's the best night for me supporting this club since Munich. That night Definitely, against Real Madrid, that yeah. was unbelievable. 
so so good and to see see one of one of your own masons stick the second one away and finish the tie off that def- got me up, me and my mate Matt up off the sofa celebrating and I, it's unfortunate we couldn't be in the ground but still it was such a special moment um and well we you can you've we've got to allow ourselves to enjoy it but at the same time you, we need to go. You want to go and win it. You're in the final. It's there to be won. You don't remember the remember the losers at the end of the day. So you just hope hope we can uh, over overturn uh, Pep for the third time this season. Yeah, nah, exactly, exactly. Beautiful, beautiful scenes on Wednesday night. Tom, how are you feeling about us being in the Champions League final? Oh mate, I'm buzzing, absolutely buzzing. And I think I know. I know we were talking before the podcast, but for the sake of listeners, I mean. I think it's absolutely brilliant that we're there, not through defensive work or through you know, basically grinding to get there. I think we've absolutely dominated the three teams we've faced in the knockout stage so far. And I think we really are worthy finalists. Um, and whatever happens, I think that's an achievement to be proud of. But as Jack says, it's all about that final step now. And this team will go down in history if we're able to win in well in Istanbul or possibly Wembley as well if they do move the game I've heard there have been some discussions on that if we move those and we and we can win that game this team goes in goes down in history in my opinion um, especially within the club's history yeah no exactly it's an opportunity for legends for new legends to be born at this football club um yeah we dominated Real Madrid. We really did. They, you know, they were they were truly, truly awful because we made them look awful. Um, you know, we go one 0 up. MG just at the heart of it. I know we're gonna t- we're gonna touch on MG a lot because he was just superb. But he plays in Kai Havertz, and Kai has the audacity to go for the dink. He was trying to channel his inner Ramirez yeah. from 2012 when it comes off the bar. There's Timo Werner, the man to head home. Jack, you're just buzzing for the lad because he's you know. He's had a tough season, but credit to him. He's now come to the fore in recent yeah. weeks. He got the winner against West Ham. He got an important assist against Fulham. He scored the, uh, the first goal today. He'd assisted Ziyech in the FA Cup semi-final win, you know, and he got um, an assist, you know, as we'll get touch on to a bit later against City yesterday. He's coming up now in big moments of the season. Yeah, definitely. And it's just been really good for his confidence and you need to keep seeing him play. I think, I know he's, he's spurned so many chances this season and he's offside about five times every game. I think he's scored against Real Madrid and City offside two yesterday, one against Real Madrid, all offside. Um, but he's, I, I think when he plays and we're playing these big teams and we can, You've got people like N'Golo breaking up play and then we're going on the counter-attack and things. The runs that that guy makes are absolutely brilliant and we are a better team with him playing and it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter if he misses big chances, but I just think he, when he plays for us, we, we play better as a team. So um, for him to start getting these goal contributions now has been massive for his confidence and you just hope well, you'd, you'd love to see him be the one to go and score the winner in the Champions League final or something like that. I would just top it off and silence a few haters, I think. Um, so, yeah, no, he he's brilliant. And for that first goal, um, first goal uh, that he scored, 
you see him. I know a few weeks ago as well. There was a goal that he scored that he held the ball up really well, played it out wide against Real Madrid. He was he pushed he pushed over Sergio Ramos, had him on the floor, and that's one of the like most physical best defenders in the world, um, and held him off, played it played out, and um, and then and then got the goal. So yeah, brilliant from him. Yeah, no, exactly, and you know. These big games, you know, at this business end of the season, are the moments, you know, where a player can really get themselves into the heart of the fans, you know, collect big moments along the way in their Chelsea career. And that was certainly one of them for Timo. You know, I'm going to touch on N'Golo Kante a bit yeah. later. But Tom, Jorginho, I think that was probably his best oh. ever performance in a Chelsea shirt. And look, this is coming from, you know, Jack and I will be completely open honest. We're not the biggest fans of Jorginho, but we will praise him when he has a good game. And to me, that was, you know, that was almost his Mikel moment in, in from from Munich. That was a truly, truly superb performance, especially considering he was booked early on. Yeah, I, I, I am a fan of Jorginho. So I think it's good that we've got that balance on here. I, I think he, what especially impressed me about, about him on Wednesday night was People always talk about him as a ball-playing DM and the fact that he's great in terms of playing the ball and he can start attacks. Very few people, and, and quite rightly, talk about his um, aggressive sort of aggressive side when defending, defending plays on the tackle, kind of being the last man. But I think he's completely dispelled that. I think his play as that final midfielder was absolutely out of this world against Madrid. He was always there on the tackle he appeared to have a yard of pace that he didn't have or a lot of people thought he didn't have before that it was as you say a, a, almost a defining performance for him because I think it showed to people that not only does he have that ball playing side but he does have more than that in his game and I think that gives a lot of people patience with him and I saw a great analysis I think it was from Michael Cox that said it was N'Golo Kante's best offensive game in the Chelsea shirt against Madrid. And it was Jorginho's best defensive game for Chelsea against Real Madrid. And when I saw that, I actually couldn't agree with him more. I think both of those players fitted absolutely brilliantly. It was almost what Lampard was trying to get, what Sari was trying to get. But I think that game, it came together as to, you know, two in my view, world-class midfielders. And it finally got them playing together in a way that was world-class. Yeah. I mean, over two legs, we bossed a Real Madrid midfield that includes the likes of Tony Cruz, Casemiro, etc., which is no mean feat. And yeah, it might be an ageing Real Madrid side, but no credit to them. Absolutely deserved it. And seeing Jorginho sort of on the floor at, at full-time, you know, you could see how much it meant to him. You couldn't, you couldn't help but like, smile and be absolutely delighted for him you know given how he sort of had to win over the Chelsea fans and look credit to him that is you know that's Hall of Famer type performance right there man as I say that's why I say yeah. that's why I drew the Mikel parallel to to Munich 2012 obviously you know this is a semi-final not a final and hopefully he can do similar in the final but the type of performance you know that you know finally I guess gets you know the deserved appreciation and wins people over um, you know, yeah, he deserved because credit to him, he's been immense under Thomas Ducal bar bar one one game. So no credit to him, that was superb yeah. from him. Um, Jack, I think he's definitely yeah. definitely winning over a lot of the fans as well. I know you mentioned it, but we might not not be 
the biggest fans before, but he's definitely been winning me over. I think that duo, that duo in there is just perfect. I think we've spoken about it quite a few times before. Um, and yeah, completely agree with what Tom said and and uh, Mr. Cox's analysis about the offensive and defensive for Kante and, and Jorginho. He was, he was brilliant the other night, just positionally so, so good. And it's been great to see him almost like just take the take the game to the next step and show that he can really do it at the top at the top level. And yeah. can I chime in here and say that it's a great example, I think, of when people aren't necessarily, you know, hot on players. And I know as I say, you guys haven't been Jorginho's biggest supporters. I know that, you know, fans like yourselves love to be proven wrong on that. And yeah. this is a great example where you know, you guys couldn't be happier that Jorginho's come out and proven, proven you wrong, proven, proven me wrong even, actually, after the start of this season. And as fans of the club, we love to see that. And I think this is a great example of that. I mean, apologies for chiming in if, if it was out of turn, but I just think <laughs> it's worth making that point because a lot of people talk about agendas and about how, you know, lots of people for show will come out that they either love or don't love a player. But most fans, most most people who follow a football club, they want to see their players do well. And I think this is a really good example of that. Yeah. And look, to be honest, you know, as I say, we're not the biggest fans of Jorginho, but we will praise him. We will praise him when he has a good game. And he's had a lot of very good games recently. We will also call him out when he has a bad game, like we will do for a lot of players. So, you know... At the end of the day, we just do, you know, we say what we see, really. And Jorginho has been, yeah. you know, superb under Thomas Tuchel. And, you know, if it was, if there was an award for player of the season under Thomas Tuchel, Jorginho may well have a shout. You know, unfortunately, I feel like he's a bit behind in the race. And Mason Mount is sort of a clear, outstanding leader for player of the season. But no, Jorginho has had a brilliant second half of the season under Thomas Tuchel. Jack, you know, before I get on to sort of the man of the hour, Mason Mount, Eddie Mendy, big saves. Big, big saves, you know, big saves at nil-nil, big saves at one-nil, you know, the man, Mr. Reliable. Definitely. I mean, that that one from Benzema on the swivel um, was nestling in that bottom corner and that was a brilliant, brilliant save to tip that round the post. And then the other one, the header as well, was definitely underrated save, I think, because Benzema being the world-class striker he is, gets himself into a great position in between uh, Silva and Rudiger and that's going in as well. And Mendy tips that over the bar. It's just brilliant to see that from him that he, because he didn't have to do anything in the rest of the game. He's not been called on really at all. They had a couple of shots early on that were just straight at him, but that shows how good a goalkeeper he is going minutes, uh, tens of minutes without touching the ball, without doing anything and then to be called on and pull out saves like that um, he's just, honestly he's been top, top class for us this season um, so many clean sheets going through so many different Chelsea goalkeeping records taking them off Big Pete uh, and you just, yeah, you love to you love to see it and hope that he can he can continue it next season yeah, no, exactly. His eighth clean sheet in our Champions League campaign, the most, I think, by an English side ever in terms of clean sheets. So, yeah, he's been truly, truly phenomenal this campaign and one of the unsung, unsung heroes. And again, I think another, you know, decent contender for our player of the year. Definitely. And, and you think yeah. for him as well, he was, 
I think it was he was 23 without a club going down the job centre. And how old is he now? 28, something like that. And he and he's in a Champions League final and can possibly go and get a winner's medal. It's just it's just a brilliant story for him. Yeah, no, exactly. So, so many years left. So many yeah. years left of Eddie Mendy. Like 28 for a goalkeeper is still really young. Like we realistically could have seven, eight years left of him. And people saying, you know, let's bring in Donnarumma or whatever. Eddie Mendy was temporary. No, I don't think so. I think Eddie Mendy is very much permanent. The guy's been outstanding recently. Yeah, no, couldn't agree. Couldn't agree more with you, Tom. Um, Kai Havertz had a really good game, you know, following up. So I will just touch on, you know, obviously this is our first. We didn't uh, actually touch on Fulham uh, because we were doing the social media backup. We won 2-0. Kai Havertz scored both goals. He had a really good game. Uh, Billy Gilmore had a lone DM appearance. He was really good. Uh, Ziyech should have scored. Werner assisted. Mount's first touch is sublime. Yeah, we won 2 0. Kyavis was really superb. And he kind of used that opportunity, you know, against Real Madrid as well. And Tom, again, he was, you know, he, he had a, it. Was, it's encouraging now. We're seeing, we're starting to see the best of Kai Havertz at the business end of the season. I thought against Madrid, he was astonishingly good. Like the guy was playing, he made it look easy. It was one of those performances, a little bit like Hazard at his best, I thought. Just the way he would hold the ball, carry the ball. It, it was an exhibition. And I think we're really beginning to see him come into his own. Like he came in, obviously, record signing, um, had COVID, had, you know, was under a lot of pressure anyway, then got COVID, took ages to recover. I think he might have had some long COVID or something. And only now, I think, is he showing just how good he really is, like against Palace. He was, again, exceptional. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. And he's coming in again. These two recent games, Fulham, Real Madrid, the guy showing why he was worth every penny of that move for me. Um, if he can keep up those performances, we got a top player for many, 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 many years. Yeah, Jack, man of the hour. Mason Mount, it was so fitting. It was Mason to yeah. score, to, you know, to score. We got, I know in some people, if they draw between a parallel, be like, oh, no, it wasn't the goal that took us through. Timo's was the goal that took us through. But, you know, we missed chance after chance after chance of that second half, yeah. including Mason blazing one over mm -hmm. bar through when one on one. But, you know, again, it's that man of the heart of it. And Golo Kante gets it off to, to Puli. And Pu I mean, Puli mm -hmm. will. I haven't even mentioned him. His impact as a sub superb. But then it's Mason. Mm -hmm. Mason's the one to send us to Istanbul. I mean, or is it? Who knows where the final is. But, you know, he's the one to send us to the final. What what performance? And yeah. again, the, you know, the type of performance that grows sort of a potential legend of Mason Mount. Definitely. And gets gets a lot of people uh, on his side as well, because I, I know we all know that when Frank was here, he got a lot of stick on social media. The son, son figure, father figure, all of that bollocks. Um, for weeks and months, and people just just saying that he was in the team because of because of that, and that's been that's been one of the best things for me. Seeing Tuchel come in, he put him on the bench for the first game, and everyone was everyone was pretty annoyed. But I think that was probably the best thing Tuchel's done for him because put him on the bench, and that just shows Mason Mount's character. He was there. He made the biggest impact in that game against Wolves when he came on for, what was it, 10, 15 minutes. And he showed him right there what he's all about, uh, the fight, the determination. 
just the character of, of the kids and he's just gone from strength to strength under and the two shall scoring massive goals for us and yeah for him to score that one to 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 well kill the game especially after all those big chances because I was sat there thinking if we if we lose now we deserve to go out because we just were shanking them over the bar left right center but um, yeah, for him to score score the goal was was a very very special moment for him, I'm sure, and his family. And the best thing about it was that Foden had a top top game the night before against PSG, and I was saying to my friends, he needs Mason needs to step up now because there's always this these parallels between him, and he stepped up and and scored the goal to take us there. So yeah, just top performance from the lad again. Yeah, first Englishman to score for Chelsea in a Champions League semi-final since Frank Lampard in 2008. Lovely, <laughs> lovely scenes. Um, you know, before we get move on to see, there's a couple of people got to go through. Tom, you know, kind of, you know, touched on him a bit. You know, mentioned how key he was in the two goals. But N'Golo Kante, man, wow. Wow, what what a performance. You know, when you throw into fact he's fasting for Ramadan, that's his third UEFA Champions League man of a match in the knockout stages and he's second in both legs against Real Madrid. What a performance from him. I thought only humans were allowed to play the game of football because, honestly, that performance was not human. He, he was everywhere. And what really impressed me, and I was on, I was on a pod after, um, after the first leg, and I was, I was really, really impressed with his defensive play, but I was a bit disappointed with his attacking play. I, I used to... I used to call him in attack a bit of a fire blanket. Like when he'd get the ball in the final third, he would basically throw a blanket over the attack we were trying to build because he couldn't play the ball well enough. But he made me look like a right Wally in that second leg because <laughs> his attacking play was absolutely outstanding. I thought he was everywhere. But what I was so impressed with from him, and as I say, I know I'm referring back to what I was mentioning earlier, he just appeared, it was the first game I saw both sides. I saw a really good attacking midfielder as well as a defensive mid. And it made me see why coaches wanted to make him a CM because I think he has got that game in his locker. And that was absolutely astonishing. His role in that second goal, by the way, pressing Nacho was absolutely beautiful because Nacho obviously was being very dirty the whole game and for Kante to show him who was boss just was absolutely, I suppose there was a lot of poetic justice in there. So that was good, I have to say. Yeah, no, exactly. N'Golo Kante stock, you know, just rises even more and more. Special, special player. Uh, special so, player like yeah. that. Jack, tale of, you know, two number 10s, or in one case, a 10 and a 7. Eden Hazard, you know, wasn't quite his night for Real Madrid. No. Christian Pulisic, yeah. on the other hand, off the bench. Wow. Wow, you yeah, can kind made, of see why Tuchel loves him off the bench because that was just a superb, superb performance. Made a mass, massive, massive impact when he came on and when N'Golo played the ball to him, you thought, come on, hit it, you hit it. And then you think the chance is gone and then he picks out that pass across goal to Mount to finish it off. And yeah, he was he was electric when he came on. He, he always put in a shift in when he when he comes off the bench and... Uh, showing showing Tuchel what he can do. It seems like he has to sort of prove himself a lot because he's on the bench starting, on the bench starting, it seems, at the moment. Uh, and I saw saw a good interview of him afterwards, just not venting, but just saying 
he he was annoyed at being on on the bench and and he he wants to start these big games and that just shows shows his character as well that that he he he's wants to put in the biggest shift and and play as many games as he can and that's brilliant for us to have in the changing room because and to keep people on their toes because at the moment um everyone's playing so well and everyone's form is is rising so and and that's coming at the end of the biz, business end of the season so if we're having all these players on form and pushing each other to train harder etc it's it's going to be great for us for these two two cup finals and and the rest of the premier league season yeah i guess other memorable moments Rudy's shot and then him running back. Um, Ru- just Ru- Rudy, man. What, what a character. I just love when he goes on these sort of long, long busting rounds. Christensen leaving a mark early on Eden Hazard. Let him know you're there. Love that. Tiago Silva, yes. you know, pretty reliable again. Uh, moment of appreciation. Cesar Azpilicueta is going to lead us in a Champions League final. Uh, honestly, I just, Tom, I just couldn't be happy about this. This man has been at the club. You know, he joined after we won the Champions League in 2012. And this is the man who, I mean, yesterday he's now the most assists for a Chelsea defender. But like, just at Cesar Azpilicueta appreciation, like he's going to lead us into a Champions League final, man. That sounds so good. Well, I just want it. I just hope he sticks it to all those Chelsea fans that said that he wasn't a leader and he was a weak captain and he was not quick enough to be a wing back and everything like that because. Both those legs against Madrid, I saw leadership, I saw power, and I saw class. And Cesar Azpilicueta, I think he's one of the most underrated, underappreciated players, kind of in the Abramovich era in general. And he showed us really why Tuchel's put the faith in him. I think many of us wanted to see Rhys James play against Real Madrid, but if you're winning games like that and Azpi plays as well as he did, I don't think you can make many arguments, to be honest. The guy is an absolute beast and I'm certain he'll play the final, whether it's at right centre-back or right wing-back. The guy's too good to leave out and he's too much of a leader to leave out. Yeah, no, Cesar Azpilicueta, modern Chelsea legend, no doubt about that. And yeah, Chelsea in the Champions League final. Um, Just wow, just wow. Um, Right, small matter of Man City. Uh, who will also be playing in the Champions League final. You know, some dubbed it as a dress rehearsal. Uh, both sides made a lot of changes. I mean, we we, we left Mason Mount, Thiago Silva and Ben Chilwell at home. Just, just well. Um, Billy Gilmore started his second consecutive Premier League game. Uh, we went 1-0 down. Christensen, you know, actually thought that was one of Christensen's Ooh. poorer games. You know, I think he made a few errors in the first half. He got injured. Uh, certainly put some 1-0 up and then... Billy's probably only negative moment in the game, I feel, was giving away a soft a soft penalty. But thankfully, Aguero tries a Panenka, you know, a bit old when you, you know, got the opportunity to win a Premier League title. But cheers, Sergio. Uh, we get in, you know, only 1-0 down. Ziyech, you know, second half we come out. And, you know, Jack, Hakim Ziyech, it's all about, he makes that first goal himself. He hurries, you know, Rodri, you know, we get it back. As Pilaqueta then lays it back to him. It's a cracking finish from the boy. Yeah, great, great strike. But the best thing about that goal was him working his arse off to get back and win that ball back. And a lot of people were questioning him earlier on the season. I know we did against Man City, where he just left, left, let a runner go when we lost to them at the bridge. And everyone was questioning that, saying, what's this all about? Not showing the, 
desire and heart to get back. But there's been multiple occasions where you've seen him put in huge shifts and win the ball back and send us on dangerous counter attacks. And yesterday, that was all all him that goal winning that ball back. Then good play from Pooley and a great cutback from from Aspi and the first touch was absolutely brilliant to just set it up for almost half volley, hit the ground, half volley it into the, into the bottom corner. And the boy is a big game player. He scored in big, big games for us this season. So it's another headache for Tuchel. Who, who's going to play in these, in these big cup finals? Because um, like we said, we've, we've got options all over the park at the moment. Yeah. Tom, the winner... Marcus Alonso, Ooh. just like he is. <laughs> this is the thing with Alonso, right? He was he was annoying me quite a bit in that second half because he I just saw him up the pitch, but I never saw him at the other end. Before the guy did not seem that interested in defending. He then, you know, Mr. Charles, we tried to chip Edison. Could he have played Timo in? But credit to him, man. He's he's arriving in the box. The bloke should have been trained as a striker to play his career. We've been robbed of one of this generation's greatest strikers. But Marcus Alonso, a collector of big goals. A scuffed shot to do it as well. Completely scuffed it into the ground and it just bobbles past Edison. And oh goodness me, it's it's just it's just a weird regularity to Marcus Alonso being on the pitch in big games and scoring winners. And it's happened against almost all of the big clubs. And again, it was a goal which I think was was crafted, you know, one more chance. And and all of us at home, I'm sure, particularly I was saying. A draw is an all right result. I was expecting us to lose. Obviously, City had played a, a day before we had in the Champions League. And I thought both coaches weren't going to reveal much about their tactics. So I thought it'd either be a very boring draw or a defeat. And then we steal three points. And I don't say steal because I don't think we deserved it, but steal because of the way you get it in the last minute. It always feels like a thrifty job and I was very very impressed with that um, Marcus Alonso I don't know what to say when the guy leaves as much as many people will be frustrated will miss his goal contributions that's for sure yeah I think he's probably maybe a modern Chelsea cult hero I think would be a fair word describe Marcus Alonso a scorer of big goals in big moments to win games for Chelsea, it was weird. It was one of those I didn't even like. Normally, in, in normal circumstances, I'd probably jump out and like, you know, shout and be like, "Yes, get in!" But I just genuinely just found it quite funny that like we won that game because it just seemed such a bizarre, bizarre game to me. It didn't feel like Man City were going for the title, and it, it didn't seem like either side were particularly like felt the game was that important. You know, you kind of got that with with the amount of team changes. But it was almost like we accidentally went and won that game. Because it's like Callum Hudson-Odoi was like adamant on winning that game when he came on. And yeah, we'll touch on Callum a bit later. But it sort of seemed like Callum just didn't get the script. It was like, yeah, we're going to go and sort of win this game. But, you know, in normal circumstances, you'd be like, right, take it to the corner. You know, we'll take the point here. This is a good point for us. You know, maintains our lead in the top four. But now this Chelsea team kept going for it. And look, that was a huge, huge win. And obviously we're recording before uh, West Ham play Everton later. But we're now third in the league. You know, it's in our hands to get top four fully now. And but we're closing in now, which is which is truly, truly insane and something we didn't really think would be would even like remotely happen when we were when Tuchel took over. So no credit to to this this team, these players, they've done a truly, truly um phenomenal job. Jack, 
Betty Gilmore, I thought he was superb. Aside from, you know, like giving away that soft penalty, such a mature, confident performance. He was, you know, yeah. he was confident with the ball. He was turning with the ball. He was playing those good passes. He was, you know, that was a really encouraging display from him. And, you know, it gives you confidence we can trust him maybe midweek against Arsenal. Oh, definitely. I'd definitely be starting him against Arsenal again midweek. And I'd be starting Callum as well against Arsenal. Those boys definitely deserved it after their performances yesterday. But, yeah, on Billy... With that penalty, for me, is not a penalty. That is so, so soft. Uh, he can't get out of the way, can he? Uh, but no shot with Anthony Taylor and decisions against Chelsea. So there's no, there's no point complaining there. But on that, Billy could have, he could have let that get to him. It probably, well, obviously did help Aguero missing it. But second half, he was top, top quality. Brilliant passes. Uh, playing quite a few long balls as well. I think he covered the most distance out of any Chelsea player yeah. yesterday. He and um, he just he showed he showed to me that he is he's ready he's ready and he's ready to stay at Chelsea and fight for his place next season um, rather than go on loan. To be honest, I think he's proven that clearly in training to Tuchel. Tuchel's been very complimentary of him and. He's been given two chances in the Prem over the last week and he's been top, top quality in both of them. So, yeah, he's definitely one for the future and just hope that he, he stays next season and fights for, his, fights for his place. Yeah, Billy Gilmore covered the most distance for Chelsea against Man City at 12.44 kilometres with the highest average speed of 7.69 kilometres and out. Yeah, it was just a really encouraging display from Billy and again you know a big game performance which is what you'd love to see and again you know in the absence of Mateo Kovacic as well giving Jorginho a much earned and rest uh, Tom Kalamadzin Adoy you know sort of almost a forgotten man recently under Thomas Tuchel barely played that was a really encouraging display from him you know had a goal just marginally ruled out for offside but he you know caused some problems down the right side with Rhys James yeah, I think I think he was really solid. And the fact that he's taken his chance in that way is great. It's hard to know what's going to happen with him next season. I think a lot of people are worried that he's looking at moving on, um, which would be very gutting, I think, for many of us who, who have seen him for many years and seen him in the youth teams and things. But he came on against City and I think he showed something. And whether he'll start against Arsenal, I'm not so sure. I have a bad feeling actually but I think when you come on and you make the most of your opportunity like that no one can argue with you and he certainly did that successfully and we've just got to hope that you know maybe Tuchel does give him more game time especially against a weak Arsenal side let's say but we can't be losing to them this time that's for sure. No exactly it was really encouraging to still see Thomas Tuchel and Kalamazin Adoy at full time you know still you know that embrace you know Tuchel you know seemed you know pretty happy even Callum seemed pretty happy too so you know I think it's just one of those we're at the <clears throat> business end of the season and we'll just have to see opportunities might not be the easiest to get by but you know Callum I think you know I, I don't think we've got to worry about him leaving the opportunities I think will be there he's just been unfortunate I think you know that sort of as Blaquez now sort of perhaps taken over that wing back role at times you know he's got Reese there and the fact that Timo Werner's come into form, you know, Christian Pulisic has been superb. It's just a bit unlucky on Callum. But Callum's time, I think, will come. And that was that was a really encouraging display for him yesterday and certainly gives Tuchel something to think about. And, yeah, we'll, we'll see about Arsenal. I know, obviously, Mason Mount uh, was left at home, didn't play at all. So, you'd imagine he's probably back for Arsenal. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Mm -hmm. 
Jack, talk to me. Reese James, that was, you know, phenomenal performance. He's sort of been out the side a bit recently, you know, a couple of sub-appearances in the last mm-hmm. few weeks, but he was trusted with the start today. And he had a really, really strong showing. He caused City, particularly in that second half, all sorts of problems down that right-hand side. And Benjamin Mendy just did not know how to cope with him so much so that he was subbed off. <laughs> Yeah, he, he gave him a torrid, torrid time yesterday. Made him look thoroughly average. Um, yeah, just for Reese, I think it's been difficult, obviously, with playing Aspi in that in that wing back role for the last couple of Champions League games, etc. He's sort of been in and out of the team and not really had the chance to um, sort of pick up some consistency with that, just being in and out. Um, but I thought he was brilliant yesterday. His defensive work just continues to improve uh, game by game and we all know what he offers offensively. Some of the crosses he put in yesterday are just absolutely brilliant. Puts them on the money every single time and you're just begging for Timo to stick his toe on the end of a few of those and put it in the back of the net. But it will come, it will come. And yeah, I mean, Pep took Mendy off, brought on Zinchenko to try and... Uh, Try and sort him out, and then Tuchel brings on Hudson Odoi, and then they're still giving him giving him a bad time as well. So, yeah, it's great, and I I personally think he's he's the best right back in the league, and he should be starting for England in the Euros. Uh, no doubt about it for me. I'm it's sure cool. you probably agree, being Chelsea fans, but um, yeah, he he he's a special talent, special talent. Yeah, now Reese James, you know, last year I know it was sort of a breakout season, but this season he's really sort of, I feel, gone that one step further. And, you know, he's he's almost, yeah. you know, pretty much about sort of regular status in the team. He's really, you know, come on and it's really encouraging to see him doing so well. Um, I think that's sort of everything we need to talk about uh, for City. Obviously, you know, Ziyech, you know, superb, you know, big game play. We've touched on that. Mendy, big save. Zuma, big tackle. Yeah, really, really encouraging. Uh, Going to go on to your list of questions now. Dan Hill, two questions. <laughs> Before this would come up. Given the superstitious narrative and the fact we've beaten City twice now under Tuchel, does that mean we can't beat them in the game? <laughs> um, Tom, I know it's sort of been one of those, you know, we got going round and like, you know, Chelsea have kind of been joking about it. Like, you know, um, there's a great tweet I saw. So yesterday, someone posted a clip from Dash from the Incredibles where he sort of um, losing the race. So then does you know then goes in the lead and then loses. You know doesn't doesn't uh, win. But does it really affect? Uh, does do these two wins against City really mean you know change anything for the Champions League final? Um, I think yesterday is a good confidence boost for us. But I actually think. No, I think tactically we showed very little. I think they showed very little. Pep playing a very weird like three at the back, but with only one kind of traditional midfielder. I think it was a game where basically both managers were basically trying to hide what they were going to do for the final. But um, it was, I mean, I, I, I personally don't think a lot can be taken from from yesterday's game against Man City. I as much as it's a good win, and as I say, it will prove confidence, confidence boosting, neither manager gave an inch. And I think that's a good thing for us. I really do, because I think Pep's game, you see a lot, just, you know, his shape's quite consistent. And you know his tactical side, he's been in the league for so long. Tuchel's been in there less for less time, so it'll be good that we haven't really given an inch. And... 
ahead of the game in, in respect to Dan. And I think he's right. No, I, I'm, not, I'm not superstitious in that way. I think we can just as easily beat them in the Champions League final. Yeah, I might have maybe, you know, because I know football fans, we do think, you know, superstitions and jinxes. We do kind of think like that a bit irrationally at times. And that maybe if both teams had played a full strength side, maybe you could read more into the game. But like, as I said, we had no Mount, no Chilwell, no Silver. Havertz didn't feature. You know, Gil- Billy Gilmore was starting. It's probably unlikely he starts the Champions League final. You know, it's probably unlikely Alonso starts Champions League final. The same for City. Ake doesn't probably start the Champions League final. Neither does Benjamin Mendy. Ferran Torres, probably not. You know, there's, you know, Aguero certainly won't. Jesus may not. So it, it is tough to sort of read too much into it. But look, as I said, you know, you can think, we can sort of think sort of irrationally as for plans. You know, can think like, oh, well, we don't beat them three, we have a chance to beat them three times in a row. But, you know, we could just trust Thomas Tuchel. We could just do, do the simple thing and just trust Thomas Tuchel, you know, to get the big result when it matters for us. Because in big games, he's not let us down. He has not let us down at all in big games this season. So, look, I've got full trust in Tuchel. You know, it doesn't really change how I feel about the the final because at both times we have we haven't played a full strength City side. The FA Cup semi final they weren't at full strength either. They you know did play De Bruyne still you know in the semi final. I mean Foden came on in both games. Gundogan came on uh, yesterday, so like, it was still a decent City side. There's still you can still take confidence from it. It's you know in terms of bigger picture for top four, it's a huge confidence boost. But in terms of affecting sort of a one-off final, it doesn't really, uh, for me, sort of change anything. It doesn't, yeah, it, does, it doesn't make me think we, we can't beat them at all. It just doesn't, it just hasn't enhanced my view, particularly that we've got a better chance of beating them. For me, nothing has really uh, changed. <laughs> Jack, you'll love this question. It's his second part. Uh, if you had to advise Timo on one small adjustment to improve his game, what would it be? <laughs> Stay on fucking side, mate. <laughs> I think it's as easy as that. Jesus, the amount of times he's offside. But, um, yeah, it's got to be that. Just tight, just making sure he times his runs well because every time he's he's got he's got the defenders on ropes with his pace. So, he just needs to slightly delay his run and, and he'll still be in because he's quicker than all these, all these, all these centre-backs. So, yeah, just, just the timing of his, of his runs really for me. Yeah, because I think that was the most annoying thing yesterday where Pulisic had the ball and he, you know, yeah. Timo was one of the past, but he was so clearly offside and making no effort to get to get back on side. You're like, come on, Timo, Puli can can't really do much here. But no, nah, look, that's yeah, that would be that would be improving. Look, to be fair, two offside finishes taken well yesterday, but um, yeah, but yeah, it was the same with that one, wasn't it? A great pass from Jorginho through, and he's just yeah. like, if he's a like, bit quicker getting back, yeah, yeah. you just, just yeah. like just so slowly like walking back and if he just sort of gets himself back on side and goes he he was he was through but yeah he he, he need he just needs time to work on it but he's he's getting there at the moment yeah Vivek for him yesterday isn't it so fair yeah. play <laughs> yeah Vivek asked a very similar question to Dan do you think this will impact the final or is it a clean slate regardless of the result here yeah for me it's a clean slate Jack yeah, clean slate, like you boys mentioned. I think it's huge for our confidence, leaving the likes of those big boys at home and, and still being able to get a result against them. Um, but it's a Champions League final. You don't know what's going to happen on the day. So um, it will be there and, 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 we'll, and we'll, uh, we'll put in a big performance. I was watching, actually, 
the other day just watching about a, a few of Tuchel's um, like first interviews back, and he said he said some quote in in one of his first ones. I think it was after the Wolves game, and he just said, "We will build a team nobody wants to play against." And recently, I think the games, the big games, we've we've massively turned up in, and and that's. He's built that already in my eyes, and going forward next season, I think we're going to be we're going to be a scary machine that a lot of teams are going to be scared of next year. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest things too, because I mean, is we're proactive in big games. You know, in the past we've been quite reactive, and it look it, there's nothing wrong about it. It's worked perfectly fine, but we are bossing teams in big games. You know, kind of you know, Shyam asked a question, uh, Tom, where do you where do you rate Tuchel when it comes to the best coaches in the world at the moment? Keeping emotions aside, that Ooh. is. That's a really, really tough question based off of, you know, half a season. And obviously on form, you'd have to say one of the best. And on tactics, I think one of the best. But, you know, he's not won a big five league. And that obviously has to come into consideration. He's got to a Champions League final with PSG. But again, that was a kind of weird, weird little tournament thing that I... Look, I, I think he is one of the best in the world, but I think he's got to win some big five leagues. He's got to get a big Champions League under his belt for people to take him seriously. And when I say big five, I just realised that a lot of people would count league R within that. But I think he needs a Premier League or a La Liga or a Bundesliga or something to really cement his place or indeed a Champions League because... I think tactically, he's getting it right. I think in terms of man management, he seems to be getting it right. But you need the trophies to show for it because in football, there's only one currency and that is trophies at the top level. And Tuchel's got to really get there before I think anyone can call him the best in the world. Yeah. Okay. So I'll kind of use that in the context of, of Chelsea managers then in the Abramovich era. Where do you guys think Thomas Tuchel could come when it comes to coaching Barrowshire. I say could because at the moment he's as good as Avram Grant in the fact that he's reached two finals. But he hasn't won anything yet. That's going to sound really harsh, but just in terms of yeah, like looking right. at it so broadly, he hasn't won anything yet. He hasn't won a trophy with us yet. But I'm saying where you're could right. he, how, like, where could he rank in terms of Chelsea, Chelsea's greatest managers, Tom? Oh, well, look, you, you have to be objective. Like Roberto Di Matteo, obviously won the Champions League and an FA Cup. But I'm not sure that he would be considered in terms of his tactics or man management, one of the greatest managers. I think his achievement of winning the Champions League will never be forgotten. But would you call him one of our best managers ever? I'd argue possibly not. So look, I think you have to have a closed season and a full season or a full start to a season before we kind of make out what you know where he comes I think if you're looking at the way this half season alone has gone then he has a potential to go right to the very top but we do need I think to have a much more of a sample of him before we um, before we make those judgments I mean I think a good a good saying when it comes to judging Chelsea managers is judge when it's going badly because that's when you know what a manager's made of when we do lose a couple of games, whether it goes into meltdown or whether it recovers. And I think I've always run by this with Chelsea, that when it's good, it very rarely lasts. So I'm not going to be one that's going to say Tuchel's going to be here for 10 years and win everything under the sun. 
I'm just going to stay measured and I'm going to say, you know, let's give it more time and we'll see what Tuchel's really made of. But at the moment, it is looking good. Yeah, Jack, where do you think Thomas Tuchel could rate in Chelsea manager history? I think Tom's pretty much summed it up on the head there because, like Di Matteo, he could he could go and win the double this season and the next next season it just completely collapses and he's gone by December, January. So you don't know in the football world it can change so, so quickly. Um, but you know, like Tom said, he has the potential to be right up there. I don't think, well, it would take him a lot longer than his blooming 18-month contract to go and uh, eclipse someone like Jose Mourinho that is our best manager ever. Um, no matter where he's been since then and what he's done since then, he is the greatest Chelsea manager we've had and really put us on that top pedestal. Um, someone like Conte, I was just thinking when you asked in context of the world of world football, someone like Conte has just been, he's a top, top manager and took Chelsea from 10th to win a Premier League title in his first season. He's won into their first uh, Serie A in, in 10, 11 years. So he's a top manager, but I think he could be up there with Jose and Conte there. For me personally, the the best managers I've I've seen for Chelsea and, and Ancelotti's up there Ancelotti, as well. Yeah, yeah he, he, he has the potential, but we'll just have to see. Yeah, yeah. as I said, I, I think Thomas Tuchel could go down as possibly our, our second greatest manager. I think it's going to be tough to see him win three Premier League titles with us because I don't think he'll be here long enough to, to, to sort of achieve that. But no, I think he excites me a lot. And as I say, this is the most solid Like I think we've looked since we were under Prime Jose. I think we look more solid than we did even under Conte. We just looked such a really, really good team and we look like a almost like a machine, which is, you know, pretty, pretty encouraging. I think if he's given time, it's a big if, you know, if he lasts more than 18 months at Chelsea, which is the average shelf life of a Chelsea manager, uh, then he very well could go down as one of our greatest ever coaches. But look, if he wins the Champions League and FA Cup, he's obviously going to go down in history. He's obviously going to go down as one of our more loved coaches. But I, as I say, I hope, I hope he's given the time, you know, to build something really special here. But then again, as he knows, it's all about, it's all about results and he'll need to keep getting results. But yeah, in terms of it in the world, it's tough because again, in comparison to world, what's he won? He's won a Liga, he's won some a French league, a German cup, German cup, some French cup. Like, is not the grandest of trophies yet, yet. So that's the thing. Like, he could potentially be. I think we've got, we do have one of like the, yeah, we've got, we've got a manager who can definitely, you know, set us up to beat the world's best. But there's no doubt about that. Is he one of the best managers in the world? Who knows? Who knows? But you know, hopefully by the end of the season, that answer might be. Slightly clear, but as I say, we've got to certainly win the FA Cup, and you know we've really got to try and win the Champions League now. Because as good as you know this praise of Tuchel's been and the job he's done, it would sort of feel it would it would feel quite you know a sad ending and quite a, a very anticlimactic ending if we did end the season with nothing really to show for it. Uh, next question comes in from RJ, and what was a perfect week for the Blues? How important do you think that win was against City in the context in the context of the remainder of the season? And what did you make of the performances of the non-regulars? Should they get more minutes, Tom? I think um, I think Tuchel's got his best team, and for me, when um, a sign of a good manager in my books is when they know their best team and. As much as it's great that you have a group of uh, you know, non-regulars, as RJ says, who played brilliantly, 
I think Tuchel knows what his best 11 is. And that is a big, big, big destination for me to knowing whether a coach is in control or not, which is great. But having said that, I think, you know, a lot of players did make a point. Billy Gilmore starting twice is really encouraging for the future, maybe getting into that first team fold. But football is a squad game. It's very important. So, yeah, in terms of the kind of status of the win, I think our victory over West Ham meant that we could have afforded to lose against City yesterday. Um, You know, had, had things not gone quite so well. But that win's just a big bonus because what it means is we might get top four before the final day, meaning that we can get rest into our players. We can rest them up a little bit, you know, wrap them in cotton wool a little bit ahead of the final, which I think will be very important. A bit like with um, Baku, we'd got to the top four, I think, with a game to spare or two games to spare. And that final game, we could just kind of, stick our feet up and play some some less regular players. So in that perspective, I think it's very useful for us. In terms of reading the final, as we've said, no, I don't think so. I think it was just a just a weird old game of football, quite an insipid game of football, actually, which we come out with three points and that's the most important thing. So, yeah, those are my thoughts, RJ. Um, yeah. Fair enough. Jack, what did you sort of make? Yeah, I know we sort of touched a bit on, you know, Alonso and Callum, but, you know, it was, what did you sort of make of performances of non-regulars? Yeah, they, they all stepped up, didn't they, at the end of the day? Billy's, Billy's played brilliant. Callum's made a massive impact off the bench. Alonso scored the winner. Zuma's made big challenge. They've all they've all stepped up and shown that they're they're fighting for their spaces and, and want to perform and, and prove to Tuchel that they should be starting. Um, so yeah, no, they were brilliant. I, I was just going to say, I, I'm not, I'm not so sure personally myself. Uh, I'm slightly disagreeing with Tom, but I'm yeah. not personally sure if Tuchel does know his best team. We've seen over so many of the games is for me that well, me and Nick have done a few team lineups and <laughs> no one's got one right yet at all. So there's always like I know what Tom means. Most of the players you've got on lock that are starting but there's quite a few that have been interchangeable so personally I don't think he quite knows his best best 11 but he knows the majority of them yeah no I agree I think he's yeah. got his defense locked down I think he's probably got his midfield locked down it's a it is just that front three but again that's just yeah. so interchangeable and that's kind of the beauty mm-hmm. but we've got and it's almost something you know compared to almost City City are able to also rotate their front three yeah. as well I mean that's kind of as I say that's what you need you know if you're to challenge on on all fronts and do and if Chelsea next season want to challenge on all fronts something they've not done for probably the best part of over a decade then you know that these fringe players are going to be really really important uh Maria and Amar asked what did you guys think of Billy's performance I know we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier but you know just Jackie, it was just really, really encouraging because you know at the end of the day it was an important game. You know, we I know Tom sort you know Tom mentioned we we could afford to lose, and that I completely get that. But given Leicester have slipped up recently, you know we've now as I said we've now also got the potential where we can probably have top four secured before that final day against uh, Villa. You know if we beat Arsenal and we beat Leicester, or you know if Leicester lose to United, then when we say draw with Leicester, then Leicester can't catch us. So mm-hmm. it, it was really encouraging to see though Biddy you know step up in a big game. Yeah, I mean, I know we've mentioned City making a lot of changes and stuff, but 
at the end of the day, I know they're arresting De Bruyne, etc. But the team they still put out was honestly an absolute joke. Still some big, big players there. And for someone like Billy to be given the chance in a game like that at the Etihad um, was great for him. And we've we've spoken about, I think, enough. And he, he fully took his chance. And he showed to me personally that he, he is ready. And I don't think he needs a loan. He can stay and fight for his space. Um and yeah, he's 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 a special special talent. Um, just makes the game look so easy. I find plays 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 uh, does the simple stuff really well, and that is something that's really underrated in football. Rather than just clipping it long or something, just simple things like just turning out and playing it back around the back and allowing us to move the ball around to the other side of the pitch, just can then create spaces for other players going forward. So. He's he's one of the best at that, and learning for him, learning off people like Jorginho, the ball playing ball playing six, and then learning off someone like Kante. Um, he must have learned so much over the last year, being with the first team day in day out, and two top class players. So that's only going to be um, only going to be really good for for his future personally. Yeah, no, exactly. You sort of mentioned, you know, not going out on loan. And look, to be fair, I'm not a get. If Billy was to say play regularly next season, say at Brighton or someone on loan, I'd be, you yeah. know, fallback because it's a good, you know, possession sort of style based team. But then again, you know, and it's maybe not quite the same because you know, again, we don't know if Tuchel's going to be there as long as Guardiola. But we've seen how Guardiola has nurtured Phil Foden. You know, with loads of calls. Oh, Phil Foden, he's happy to sit on the bench. He's, his career stalling. He's sort of wasting all his potential. And now look at him. You know, Guardiola had a plan. For Foden, yeah. you know, we can hope Thomas Tuchel maybe has a plan yeah. for Billy. Yeah, I, I was just going to say as well, just going on from what you said, Nick's a really good point. And he's still so young. Is he still 19 or has he just turned 20, I think? And like what Pep Guardiola's done with Foden and nurtured him, he's still a young player and he's now playing some really good football at the top, top level. And... That has been better for Foden, bringing him in slowly. I know a lot of people say you need to go and play football, you need to go and play football at this young age. But you've seen people like Deli Ali burn out early, uh, early in his career. And what's he doing now for Spurs? He's struggling all the time. So I think that was almost an underrated thing that Guardiola has done for Foden. And maybe possibly we can do the same with Billy, but like you said, Nick, as well, if he can go to a Premier League club and play 30-plus games next season, then that probably would be a good move for him personally. Yeah. Uh, Tom, next question comes in from Bra. He goes, thoughts on Georgie's cameo? Change the game when he got subbed on? Because, you know, it seemed can, you know, perhaps in, in bigger circles, normal circumstances, you say 1-1, one, one, Kante getting subbed off, that seems a bit odd. But to me, it, it, it kind of clearly seemed a planned sub. But, you know, we didn't really oh, miss yeah. Kante when he went off. Georgie came on and, you know, we still just dominated the ball and we played really well and went on to win. Oh, yeah, that that, that would have been a fitness-based call, obviously, with the fact we haven't got many fit midfielders. Um, so one of the two did have to start. And I think it was a call possibly, and, and I, I, this is just a prediction, but I think he might have been due to come off at half-time, Kante. But... Um, with Christensen going off as well, possibly Tuchel was reluctant, so he pushed it back to the hour mark. Um, and as I say, I think he, he brought a calmness to proceedings, and I think the best thing was we didn't notice Kante's lack of lack of 
kind of presence, I suppose, which is a good thing. And it shows that the squad's being managed well. And that's something I think that Tuchel deserves a lot of praise for. Um, he's managing Mason Mount, Ben Chilwell, Thiago Silva, our two midfielders as well. Um, so, yeah, Jorginho is good. And I think it makes a, it, it, it comes to a much better or, or much wider point that the squad is being managed brilliantly at the moment in terms of managing minutes, managing fitness. And hopefully that puts us in the best shape for our two finals coming up, including one FA Cup final next weekend, which I'm greatly looking forward to. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. It's good to get, you know, some players rested before that big game, given uh, the schedule we've had. Next question comes in from Travis. Make sure you check out his podcast, Fans Blues Brothers Podcast. Uh, he goes, what is the biggest positive and negative from this match, in your opinions, Jack? Um, that was loads of positives. For me personally, I just thought Billy was, especially the second half, was was top class. So that would probably be the biggest positive for me. But people like Callum showed... He almost showed that his final third passing is quality and you saw him take someone on drive and play that ball to Timo. And that was almost showing to me that he should be playing in those more attacking roles rather than this wing-back role that he was playing at the start under Tuchel. Um, so I'd probably go for those two. Uh, biggest negative? Uh, being more clinical. Inside. I had three offside goals yesterday. Or was it two? I've Stuck the ball in there so many times yesterday. Um, yeah, probably that. I'm just trying to think what else. Maybe if, if you boys said, then something else might come to my, come uh, to my head. Okay, Tom, biggest positive negatives yeah. from yesterday? So the negatives are going to sound really horrible, but I think Christensen's brain fart kind of just shows that he's still got a mistake in him, despite how brilliant he's been recently. And, it just makes me a little bit worried ahead of the finals coming up because obviously that Barcelona game doesn't go away. That mistake he made in that Barcelona game. Again, I know I sound really, really horrible because he has been incredible recently, but I think it is worth noting it because that mistake did cost us a goal. And obviously that could have cost us the game. And in a final, that could very easily cost us a game, a mistake like that. Um, another negative, Anthony Taylor. Obviously, every game we're refed by him, something negative happens and it's not our fault, it's his. Um, so, on to the positives. I think there are just so many that I think we've been through them. Every player we discussed today, you know, Reese James, Mason Mount, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Christian Pulisic, they've all been outstanding. And the fact that the squad depth is being used and we're still winning away at the league champions because they will be league champions is absolutely masterful from the manager. So, yeah, I've got to say that all those things, so many positives at the moment. Fair enough. Uh, my biggest positives, yeah, Jack's mentioned Billy Gilmore. That was really encouraging. Uh, Kurt Zuma stepping in for Andreas Christensen. Yeah, he could have maybe given away a penalty late on, but he deals out that brilliant challenge to stop Jesus or Sterling late on with that shot. That was brilliant from him. Um, big positive. Rudiger again playing with a mask. You know, I mean, he had a broken jaw from, from Real, you know, from Real Madrid first leg. Um, yeah, Jorginho coming on. Ziyech, again, he's a player who's not had it easy this first season. There's been a lot of people 
writing him off. I've, you know, Jack and I, I certainly questioned him sort of after the Leeds nil-nil. I was, you know, questioned what if, if he had a really role under Thomas Tuchel. I remember the Southampton game under under Thomas Tuchel view, Tom. I think we were also very, we, we were pretty critical of ZH then. Um, but, you know, he's stepped up, you know, he's scored some big goals in big games. That's a really big positive for me, another big positive, we won at Man City without Mason Mount and Ben Chilwell and Thiago Silva, while also benching Kai Havertz. That's huge. When we think of Mason Mount, how key he's been to this team, how he's our player of the season, and he's been, you know, huge and scored some big goals for us. We won, and yeah, you can say we missed him at times yesterday because as Tom did mention, it was sort of an insipid performance. But again, it was just, it was just a weird game. It, it didn't feel like City were going for the Premier League title. It didn't really feel like we were going for top four. It was almost like a pre-season friendly type game where the result really didn't matter but no that that was encouraging I guess biggest negative Tom's touching it Andreas Christians actually think he it's not just the error I forgot I actually think he had a few dodgy moments in that first half yesterday I think there were two or three bad moments from him first half obviously him getting injured is a is a negative from yesterday but that would probably be one of my only really net real negatives from yesterday is that you know, Christensen got injured, and obviously, you know, Timo, if he could learn to stay on side more, that would be that'd be really good. Because as, as Jack and I touched on, it was actually really frustrating seeing him at times. But if he just went, if he just was quicker getting back, he could then get on side uh, for chances. Because he will get chances if he can stay on side. He will get loads of goals in the Prem. But no, it was you know encouraging, really encouraging performance. And the final question comes in from good friend of ours, Dean Mears, host of Mo, Went to Mo Kings Meadow podcast. Make sure you check those guys out. Chelsea Woman going for the WSL title today. This is obviously being recorded before the game, but make sure you check out Dean's pod on that. Uh, he goes, his, does his work rate for the opening goal mean people will stop calling Hakim Ziyech lazy? Jack, you know, we kind of referred to it earlier. You and I kind of ripped him to shreds when we lost 3-1 out to Man City because he just lost the ball and then refused to track back and it led to a City goal. But, you know, he's worked, he, you can see he's had he's not had the most opportunities, but every time he's on the pitch, he's looking to make a difference and he's really working hard under Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's no excuse in that. He deserved that rip we gave him against Man City. That is one of the things you just can't do in football. That's so, so poor, not tracking your, tracking your runners and just putting in 100%, putting a shift in. So he deserved that then, um, not going back on that at all. But yesterday, like we said, him tracking back and winning that ball back allowed him to go and score the goal that he scored. So it's brilliant, brilliant to see from him. And he, he's done it in other games as well. Remember against... Against Real Madrid in the first leg when he came on, he I know he faded towards the end of the game, but him and him when he came on, he he um the press that he was setting on the Real Madrid defence was quality, did it against City in the semi final. So it shows that he can do it and he's and he's working hard for the team. So maybe that one against City was just a one off, throwing his toys out the pram, but yeah, he's he's clearly fighting for his fighting for his space and performing like this this in these big games and scoring the goals has got to have Thomas Tuchel's uh, brain racking with who's he who's he gonna go for in the in those front three in these big games. Yeah, exactly. More so now that you know Hakim Ziyech two games under Thomas Tuchel, two goals. You know he's had a positive impact every time he's played uh, City. Tom, does does you know does that work right for the first ZH goal? Means people will stop calling him lazy. And is maybe the lazy comparison a slightly la- lazy thing to say? Is it a bit harsh on him, or has it been justified yeah, in the past? 
I've never thought he was a lazy football player. I think he's a player where he's kind of got a swagger that a lot of people would kind of perceive that as quite aloof and quite lazy. But for me personally, I think he's just a sort of player that always lives in the moment. He he always works hard, but my criticism of him would have been he just didn't really know what he's trying to do. And I think he always looked a bit shocked about the league and about how much tougher it was for him. But I think he's really shown his star quality in the last few last few games he's played, last few months. And actually, at the start under Lampard, it can't be forgotten that he was one of our best players. So, no, I, I never thought he was lazy. But yes, I think the more he does well in big games like this, the less he's going to have people call him lazy or call him all sorts of things under the sun. So, yeah, goals are a currency in football. Performances are a currency. And if he keeps getting them, mm-hmm. no one's going to be complaining. I think the thing that... Um... For him, where the games where he's struggled, and I'm not saying he's looked lazy in them, but he hasn't been able to get the ball down and do what he does best is like, I think back to that game against Southampton at St Mary's, we were just hitting it long every time. Things like that. Yeah. He's a slight player, he's a skinny, skinny kid, and he just wants the ball down on the floor and allow him to be creative. And games like that early on just didn't suit him. So that's maybe why he was struggling in those games. Got to play to your players' strengths at the end of the day. Yeah, no, exactly. And I remember I sort of did, you know, say there's only so much Hakim Ziyech can do if you do get him competing for high balls. So, yeah, no, look, credit to him. He's he's really, you know, it's again, we sort of mentioned that it's been a really encouraging film. It's obviously cool, but sort of misfiring players, you know, are now starting to fire and find confidence of a business end of season, it leaves us with a lot of options, you know, because before, you know, people would see, you know, in the past, people would say, you've got a set front three, but now we've almost got that luxury where we can rotate and we have got options. Right, that wraps up this episode of that Chelsea podcast, a very fun episode to record, an episode where Chelsea got to the Champions League final and moved to third place in the Premier League. Wow, what an exciting end we have in store. I want to thank our guest, Tom, for coming on. Tom, it's always a pleasure having you on. Before you go, give yourself one last plug. Follow me at Tovers98, but I want to say more importantly, always a pleasure to be on. I love being on with you guys. Um, I think the number of great Chelsea takes from both of you is through the roof in terms of fantastic analysis, one-stop shop, weekly podcast. I absolutely love it. And it's a privilege being invited on. Thank you very much, guys. It's a pleasure, pleasure having you on, Tom. As for us, we're on Instagram at that Chelsea pod. We're on Twitter at that Chelsea pod. We're not actually that far away from 1,500 followers. So if you listen to the pod and you're on Twitter, drop us a follow. We're on all your usual podcast platform providers. Uh, Leave us a review if you really enjoy. Share with your friends. And again, you know, like retweet the pod when it's out on Twitter it helps you know spread the word to as many Chelsea fans as possible at the end of the day we're all just Chelsea fans talking about the one club that we love that is Chelsea FC and when you get to talk about these brilliant brilliant moments with Chelsea fans there is really nothing better and until the next episode everybody keep the blue flag flying high Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.